The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good good morning, Chris. (laughs) Good morning, Mike. We are, uh, for most of us, into week three of uh, a different part of our life. For some of us, it's doing the day job from home. For some of us, it's homeschooling and doing the day job from home. Uh, For some of us, it's not working because there's nothing in our field that's open. And uh, I hope that everyone is adjusting well or as well as they can. Agreed. I'm hoping that everybody is home safe. Hope everybody is healthy. And we're here to just... uh, Make life a little bit more enjoyable and talk some hockey. Um, Those of you who are newer to the show, um, go back and listen to some of the old shows. You'll find some of our predictions, well, really, really good. And some of them, well, even we cringe at. Um, And uh, the hockey is always here. Um, You hit us, hit either of us up on Twitter and we can probably point you at four or five hockey writers and maybe one or two podcasts that uh, we listen to. Or no folks from. Um, I am not on Twitter much when there's not hockey. Um, I do post stuff, but I check uh, Twitter, you know, once or twice a day. So if you send me a message, uh, I will respond um, unless you're total nut bar <laughs> and not in the entertaining okay. way. Interesting. Hey, I just try and set expectations. Uh, and, the, and and there's nothing wrong with that. Expectations are a good thing. So, where do we want to start, uh, Chris? Uh, I'm thinking let's start with some, let's start with some of the uh, newer members of the NHL and and potential new members of the NHL. Wow! Uh, since that seems to be the most active segment in hockey at this point in time. Uh, we've had a couple of, of signings around the league. I mean, a couple here in Boston alone, but we've had a couple around the league. And, and the latest one uh, apparent appears to be Minnesota Duluth junior forward, Justin Richards. Who happens to be the son of uh, NHL assistant head coach, uh, Todd Richards. Um, he has signed, uh, with the, uh, New York Rangers, uh, Columbus, Ohio boy. So more of that middle America, uh, hockey growth. Um, well, as we've, as we've discussed many times, if you're, it's either the Northeast here where we are, or the, would you call it the Northern central part of the country? I mean, we're talking uh, like you can't quite put Michigan into the Plains states, uh, Minnesota, probably. Um, so, so Minnesota, Michigan, Ohio, upper central. Yeah. Uh, I mean, those these are the two centers of hockey for for the U.S. Yes, we get players from Arizona and Florida and Texas and California. Some would but, argue. Some would argue the home of the home of college hockey, or, or the co- the home of youth hockey, was uh, St. Louis, Missouri, a couple of years ago. But oh, absolutely, they was, did a great job uh, developing players. Um, if you look real close, most of them are from 
outside the immediate area, but uh, yeah. as far as pure development, oh, absolutely. Uh, just looking over Justin Richards, real careful. Uh, concluded this season with a career high of 14 goals and 11 assists, 25 points overall with a plus 14 rating in 34 games. Uh, last season, the 2018-19 season, he was an all-NCHC second-team pick and the league's defensive forward of the year. So it sounds like a two-way player. I don't know a lot about Justin. I have seen him in a, in maybe two or three games. Uh, I watch I watch college hockey more for uh, more relaxingly or in a more relaxed way than I do uh, NHL hockey. Um, but I do remember when I see when I see guys, and I'm really not necessarily hugely surprised that he's uh, that he's uh, moving on towards the NHL. Uh, fair enough, and and all of these signings doesn't necessarily mean that these guys are going to be jumping right up to their big clubs anytime soon. Uh, but just getting themselves into a position where they'll be playing in their in the minor league affiliates and learning what the the difference in game speed between college and and pro and and i'm not saying that uh, the ahl is the same game speed as the nhl but it's probably still a ramp up from college hockey uh plus there's the effect of playing more frequently that you know hitting that hitting that wall as they say oh it's it's not just the frequency uh, but especially for guys who are at the end of their major junior or end of their college careers, many of these guys are playing against older, cannier, meaner competitors for the first time in years. Um, I mean, you look at guys uh, like take uh, Tyler Sagan or Steven Stamkos. They were almost certainly always the best players on their teams or maybe second best at worst. They got to play when they wanted to play. They played the most minutes because they were the best player there. Um, For these guys, this might not be the case. Um, So the adjustment of going from being, you know, the, that top line forward, that top pairing defenseman to maybe a second or third line guy uh, that that's going to happen. Um, and you know, there, you get to a place like Boston, uh, or you get to a team where there's a couple of forwards who have played together for four or five years. They have, they have a level of, uh, fluidity and chemistry that you're just not going to run into, uh, at lower levels. And you have to either adjust to fit in or adjust to figure out how to disrupt it if you're playing against them. Um, yes, the hockey is pretty much goal at one end, goal at the other, and put the puck in it. But <laughs> there's more fat. There's more random factors than a lot of people like to allow for. Uh, agreed. <laughs> I think that I, I think that it's important to take that next step. Get yourself. Uh, uh, He's played if he's accomplished and you think he's accomplished pretty much all he can do with the exception of winning, say, a Hobie Baker or or some other individual awards. But 
he's at a school where they won back-to-back national championships. I mean, yeah, you he's really hit, don't have He's hit the pinnacle of what he's going to accomplish in college twice. Yeah. Now it's time to move on and test yourself again and and and, and see what it's like at, at what the next challenge is and he's certainly done that. I'm looking at some other interesting signings. Uh, one of the ones and I know we didn't have all of these signings listed on our thing, but just quick sure. mentions. Um, Tyler Madden, who was traded from Vancouver to L.A., has decided to leave Northeastern, and he signed his entry level with L.A. Uh, and this was this was somewhat of a big deal because he was a high-ranking, he was a highly-rated prospect in Vancouver's organization, and to give him up to bring in Tyler Toffoli was a big deal. At least it was in Vancouver. And I thought so when I saw the deal, I was like, and you know, my first thought was that's a lot to give up. I mean, this kid's potential future to bring in Tyler Toffoli, who's, uh, I believe a rental this was a rental this year. I don't, I think he's a free agent at the end of the season. I thought Toffoli had one more year, but you may well be right. Um, I mean, uh, if they get if they're getting term on Tafoli, not as bad. I thought Tafoli was. I thought the biggest thing with Tafoli because they were talking about the Bruins picking him up. I thought the biggest thing was that he was a rental. That's why I wanted Kasha because he had term. See, I mm, yeah, I re- I know that Kasha had term. Um, I think that Tafoli is a very interesting talent overall. Um, and I'm curious to see how he'd adjust to home number three in less than two years. Um, assuming of course he doesn't go right back to one of the two places he's played in the past two seasons. Well, with the way Vancouver, with the way Vancouver is playing to fully would, you're be, right. He is a, uh, you're right. He is a free agent with the way to playing. I mean, with the way Vancouver is playing, if to were to produce, I could see them actually trying to resign him. He's not exactly old. He's what thirty, I believe. Twenty nine, thirty. Uh, he is twenty seven. He doesn't even turn. He'll turn twenty eight uh, in nineteen days. So, I mean, if the money's right, he can still put the puck in the net. I mean, yeah, he was his biggest his. Biggest producing was when he was on the on that 70s line with a younger Jeff Carter and, oh, a former and current teammate, uh, Tanner Pearson, who's also in Vancouver. So, I mean, what, I back when the it, Kings had defense who could skate and move the puck other than <laughs> other than Mr. Doughty. Well, they also traded away Martinez. And, and I mean, they did what they had to do. They weren't going anywhere. So sell what you can and, and acquire some prospects and picks, which is what they did. Uh, but yeah, Tyler, Tyler Madden has signed a three year entry level. Uh, UMass top scorer, John Leonard has also signed an entry level, uh, with the San Jose sharks. Yep. He was selected in the sixth round of the 18 draft. Uh, just so, just throwing out a couple of names there that that have inked their deals, and you go back and you think about all these guys who are signing, and then you think about the one who actually chose not to, 
uh, Northeastern defenseman and Milton, Mass native. Uh, so, home uh, Massachusetts home hometown kid uh, Ryan Shea has opted not to sign with Chicago Blackhawks and become a free agent. See, this one I find a little bit curious because Chicago is kind of trying to rebuild. I mean, I think that their rebuild efforts are mm, half-baked, I think is the uh, cleanest way I can form the words. My issue is I think they started the rebuild too late. Oh, yeah. They they probably should have started three years earlier than they did. Um, But I don't know that he's going to be a great – I, he may well be right that he's not going to get the opportunity to play there um, that he wants. Um, a couple of places he might land where, you know, there's an obvious need are Winnipeg. Um, you know, they lost going into the start of last season for their top six defensemen. Buffalo is definitely in need of uh, a solid defense. I mean, they had reasonable numbers there. And we'll talk about them a little bit more later in the show. Um, he's not a hugely he's not a, he's not a hugely offensive uh, defenseman well, in terms of in terms of actual goals scored though. I mean, he's only scored ten goals. Look at his numbers. Yeah, and I have them up. Uh, if you look at his numbers uh, for his final season in college, four seasons versus. Tory Krug's final numbers at his final season, three years in college, he actually produced better than Tory Krug did. So in a translation to the NHL, allowing for a similar progression, you potentially are looking at a top 15 or 20 offensive defenseman. I think he's reasonable defensively. He's probably as good as Tory Krug was at the same age. Um, and he's got more reach and heft to him. Um, so maybe L.A. as another good place if he wants to uh, live the SoCal life. Uh, I, I... I think LA might be an interesting with the with the defensive uh, situation in LA. I don't know how else to put it. I mean, you get rid of Martinez, you lost Braden McNabb a couple of years ago in the expansion draft to Vegas. Uh, uh, who was it? They traded you. To? Lost you. Lost Jake Muzzin. You traded him away Muzzin. to Toronto yep. last season. Yeah, I think there are opportunities in L.A. to at least get to get to the uh, yeah training camp and fight for a spot. And and from what I've seen of Ryan Shea, you know, we've I've gotten to see him more than I've seen some players because clearly he plays here in the Northeast and we see him in the Bean Pot. He's a leader on his team clearly somebody that the players look up to. He's captain of the team. Solid game all around. Uh, I don't have any issues with this kid. Uh, One of the things I like about him, he's emotionally engaged. Like a lot of players, I think are way too cool, too business, too businessy on the ice. 
Okay. And I think that that's one of the things that separates guys like Steven Stamkos and Patrice Bergeron and even Jonathan Taze in his own way um, from the guys who, in a lot of cases, well, not with Stamkos, but, you know, Bergeron, Taze, um, Jeff Carter, even, there were a lot of guys drafted ahead of them who, pure skills-wise, maybe raw athleticism or both, were better. Eight, ten years later, who do we remember? The guys who live, breathe, and bleed playing hockey. And Ryan Shea is one of those guys. I I have to believe he takes every loss personally. Like, every goal against on the ice while he's playing is a personal affront. Um, and that's the type of guy that teams should want. Um, so I got a question for you then. Uh, talking pre-show, you and I, you know, getting prepped up and ready. You said that you didn't believe that he would sign here. My question to you is, would you want to sign him here in Boston? If you're signing him, developmentally looking up and down the stack of players in the system, it means you're moving on from other players. You can't develop 14 defensemen in the AHL at once. Arguably you're having, you're going to have trouble developing six to be anything other than bottom pairing and uh, press box guys. Is there any way we could give him Jakob Zaboral's spot? <laughs> you know, if I start skating now by by the time camp is regularly scheduled to start, I might be able to take Zaboral's spot. Um, but more seriously, uh, it 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 means that you're moving on from a couple of other players. If you want to give developing players, and that's what the AHL and the ECHL um, are for, is development of future NHL players a shot. Are we yeah, sure about you that? Have to clear the spot. The ECHL isn't like developing fighters. <sighs> we'll we'll <laughs> pretend for now that it actually is about developing players. It um, is. It, it is. I just it, 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 uh, yeah, just memories going back to that game we went to, and in the third period there hadn't been a fight yet, and the way the fans were all out for blood, so to speak. Uh, yeah, they were a little, uh, agitated, uh, and when we got the near fight, uh, they were all Twitter pated about it. So, I, I, but yes, it's about, but it's about, do I see it? Okay. I, would I liked him to sign in Boston? Of course. I think he's a pretty talented, uh, young player. Do I necessarily think that he can play? Um, you know, 22 minutes a night produce, uh, 58 points a season. I don't know yet. I, I really don't know. Um, I think part of the thing is that if coming to a team such as Boston that consistently has been at the top of the league, there isn't a lot of turnover. And I think that it would be harder for him to crack the NHL roster here. Oh yeah, than I he mean, would than he would in a town like LA. He in or, order to, for him to crack the NHL roster, 
next season, whenever that starts, he would have to come into tra- he would have to come into rookie camp, uh, development camp in the spring, in the summer, or at this point, it's going to be fall, and be far and away better, not visibly better, far and away better, literally lapping the field in pretty much every category. He would have to go into the testing, be more athletic than the guys who have been here a couple of years. He would have to go on to the, into the scrimmages and pot more shots and block more shots and make slicker passes. Um, I'm, wa- I'm willing to I, believe he's capable. Yeah, I'm wondering. But you have if- to remember, the Bruins have played about 15 or 18 different guys on their blue line in the last two seasons. They know what they that's have. More, that's more due to injury than than yeah, turnover, it's due though. To injury. It's due to injury, and it, it hasn't created necessarily a lot of turnover. But the easy thing to do for any general manager or scouting staff or coaching staff is to say, I know what I'm going to get from this guy in this situation. You know, Kevin Miller hasn't played in a year. Okay. I know I can still put him on the ice right now for 14 and a half minutes uh, in most situations, um, and we're going to be okay. Um, Connor Clifton, I know he's going to go out and throw the body like he's 6'7 and 260 pounds. Which he clearly um, is not. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, uh, the thing I'm is, sure Jeremy Lausanne was one of the unknowns, though. Uh, you know, they, I'm sure that they liked him. That's why they brought him up. But for having somebody like Jeremy Lausanne to step onto the NHL ice for the Bruins, Boston versions. In Providence. And show that he be- – right, and show that he belongs, though. I mean, he does not look out oh, of step. no. Lozon in no way looks out of step and you know, you could see the game, you could see the progression in him over like five game slots. Um, the last guy that we saw do that was uh, at least that quickly, I think was really, was really Brandon Carlo. And the only thing that you can say about Brandon Carlo over the last three and a half, four years as a major criticism is he can't stay healthy. He gets the oddest injuries. <sighs> yeah, I'm. I'm not putting him. I'm not. I'm. I'm, I'm not, not going to put him, him in, in Andrew McQuaid on, on Andrew Adam. McQuaid's level yet. Adam McQuaid, excuse me. I'm not putting him on McQuaid's level. McQuaid was man, McQuaid managed to skate into the boards without hitting anybody but himself and and being out for six yeah, weeks. he had an inner <laughs> ear issue that affected his balance. Ah, okay. Um, but but Brandon Carlo, the last two seasons has been he's been healthy there, and he's been a workhorse under the age of twenty eight. And we're now getting to see the real Brandon Carlo. When he first came up, he clearly hit the he clearly hit the the rookie wall as a as a rookie. Clearly hit the wall. Uh, you could tell he was taking it toward the end of the season, even even in like February or whatever. He was taking foolish penalties. He was reaching out and grabbing instead of uh, you know, just the standing still infractions that. But you even could there, tell he was exhausted. Even there, he was taking it personally, and you know he knew it was a him thing and not. 
He wasn't blaming anyone else. It oh was, no, I didn't say he was blaming anyone. I'm just saying that that you could that tell that, engagement. You could tell that he was trying to give as much effort as he could every shift, and it, after the 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 usual college season or, or OHL season would have been over, he still got another month and a half to go or whatever. And before the could, playoffs even start, yeah. Yeah, you, you could see it that he was just – he needed a rest. <laughs> uh, and, I mean, the other the other factor that you have in the NHL is the travel. I mean, Hockey East plays their games in essentially New England and New York. Hockey – yeah, Hockey East, Hockey East games are all played in a phone booth. Um, even, because even, you're even going out west – yeah, but how Those often do they do that? I mean, no, no, for college for colleges out west, you know, Arizona State or oh, okay, yeah, 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 uh, or some or Colorado College or something like that. They're traveling a little bit, but there's not going to be an occasion during the regular season for them where they're three time zones where they go three time zones in one direction, might go two time zones in the other, and then that's back, an adjustment, and then well, back yeah. home. You figure the bulk of their games are played, what, Maine, New Hampshire, Connecticut, Rhode Island, New York. So they're traveling like a, a couple of hundred miles away from home most of the time. Yes, okay. Then you get the games against the Minnesotas or whatever and, and, and the Arizonas. But the bulk of their schedule is all contained right here in one small area. So somebody like a Ryan Shea doesn't have – he isn't going to have the the mental the, the 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 institutional memory of what it's like to be on a five game west coast road west coast trip. Oh yeah, I mean going and then out of traveling Boston back to... three time zones and still playing games because you come from Vancouver to Edmonton. Okay, you moved up one time zone or Vancouver to Winnipeg, whatever, uh, you know, and then into Detroit, which is another time zone, and then finally back in Boston, and you've traveled three time zones in five days. It, he's not going to have that kind of institutional memory, that buildup of how to manage his body and his time going through that going through that gauntlet. And really, that's the that's the big adjustment for anyone coming out of college or major junior, because um, the OHL the uh, Q and the W and the dub, they have separate regions for a reason. It's so you're not tossing 14 and 15 year olds uh, across a continent. Um, one uh, other college hockey news, uh, of course, includes the Hobie Baker Award finalists, um, one of whom is actually a might walk off the stage with two awards. Ah, uh, yes, we've cut down from 10 to the final three. Um, those final three are North Dakota's uh, Jordan uh, Kawaguchi, uh, Minnesota Duluth's defenseman Scott uh, Pernovich, and uh, junior goaltender from Maine, uh, Jeremy Swayman, who is also a finalist for the uh, Mike Richter Award for Best Goaltender. Um, interesting to see... The three, uh, the three uh, positions represented, you know, forward, defenseman, and goaltender. Uh, but we're also looking at, hmm, 
We've got two regions represented realistically. Uh, I'm reasonably certain Duluth and North Dakota are in the same division, uh, same conference. Uh, I did not look that up. Um, generally, my gut tells me when I'm looking at two players from the same conference, it means they're going to split the vote. Um, but not always. It, 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 in my mind, it comes down to I don't know I don't know who does the voting if it's if it's writers if there's a, a voting panel if it's uh, just uh, across the nation I'm not quite sure how the voting works for a Hobie Baker Award so to me it, it all comes down to what the individual voter feels is the most important aspect of the game does he feel that a goaltender is more important to his team um a solid defenseman putting the puck you know putting the puck in the net that type of thing and whether i mean they don't give it to a freshman for a reason freshman's going to become most likely going to be coming back for another year going to have another opportunity to win it but these guys are all uh, upperclassmen these guys are all upperclassmen is it uh yeah i think two juniors and a senior so that kind of rules that. <laughs> yeah, two juniors. No, three juniors, actually. Three juniors. Junior defenseman. Uh, Swayman was a junior. And uh, Kawaguchi is a... Kawaguchi also, he's also, he's also, a, doesn't a say whether he's a junior, but I'm assuming. Uh, it does, I'm looking at the uh, USCHO uh, page, and yes, it says there he's a junior. Ah, very good. I mean, it's just, I I don't know which way to go here. I mean, I'm I I'm kind of partial to goaltenders. I I, I enjoy watching them, the, the the skill that it takes, and the fact that they're the one player on the ice that doesn't necessarily leave the ice unless there's a man advantage situation or at the end of a game. Uh, to me. I mean, when you're building a team, you build from the goal. You build from the goaltender out. So for me, I I, I don't want to jinx him either. So I don't necessarily know whether I want Swayman to win it or not. And I'm a little partial that he's a hometown kid too, because he's, he's he's a Boston prospect. But to me, and and the fact that they don't give it to goaltenders all that often, and the fact that he's the second best goaltender in the country or the best goaltender in the country i mean 1099 saves uh, he's only allowed 71 goals i'm thinking that at some point they're going to give it to a goalie again but the fact that he's up for the richter award as the best goaltender in the country might deter some voters from giving it to him because okay he's going to get recognized as the best goaltender do we also want to recognize him as the best player? Um, I don't know. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see. And uh, there's a mention that the announcement will be on the 11th at 11 p.m. Um, I will certainly uh, stay up and watch. Um, the uh, the uh, Mike Richter Award uh, will be announced at the same time. And those finalists are... Um, Matthew Galaja uh, uh, of Cornell, Spencer Knight of BC, Straussman of uh, Michigan, 
Yeah, I mean, Spencer Knight, shocking. Uh, <laughs> Dryden McKay of Minnesota State and Jeremy Swayman, as we mentioned. Um, interesting, interesting, interesting. Um, I believe most of our listeners, if not all of them, know that the award is named for former uh, New York Rangers uh, goaltender Mike Richter, uh, if not Naidu. Um and he uh, he played for Minnesota. I'm sorry, he played for Wisconsin. Um, and he uh, he is the last goaltender, I believe, to bring a uh, to bring a cup to those New York Rangers back in '94. He was in the net at the time. Yeah, uh, I can I can honestly say I've seen all but Matthew Galagia as far as these goaltenders. And they're all fabulous goaltenders. I enjoy watching Strauss Man. I, I mean, I'm a Michigan fan. I, I so I've seen Strauss Man play. Uh, Dryden McKay looks really good at Minnesota State. It, can't complain about his game. He fundamentals are really good. We've seen Swayman. Uh, we saw Spencer Knight at the Bean Pot, and I, the only thing about Spencer Knight was I just the only impression negative impression that I got from him was either a, he wasn't engaged because he just, uh, I don't know if he factored in that he was playing, uh, who did they, end? were they playing? Uh, yeah, I can, I can get it oh, out. Was he, he was playing uh, Harvard or did he play Northeastern? That was Harvard. They were playing the, uh, the um, what do you call it? The BC played Harvard. And uh, that was in I the second round. Maybe he was in the on the opening the opening week the first the oh. first round games because BU and BC always end up playing. Didn't show up. Yeah, and BC did not show up for the opening round game, and it was disgusting. He just he just didn't seem to. He just didn't seem to be engaged. And I don't know if it was he thought they were going to just walk in there and as the as one of the higher ranked team. I don't know what it was. He just didn't seem to be engaged. And then when when he finally did get engaged, they were down big enough that they didn't come back. I, I he's a, he, if you go and watch video of, of Spencer Knight and he was drafted, he was the first goaltender taken last last year in the draft. I mean, clearly there's talent there, but in in the big tournament, he just I I, I don't want to say he didn't show up, but I think he showed up late. I don't. Well, most of the team didn't show up. So if he showed up late, that's still uh, well ahead of most of the rest of that roster. And I believe I said during that game and probably tweeted it that this is the type of game that gets coaches fired. Um, There's if you if you in any way in any way enjoy hockey and competitive sports, um, there's no way you cannot get amped up for uh, a beanpot game. Oh, absolutely. If you (laughs) if you if you can't get amped up. You know, finish out the rest of your career uh, as a college hockey player and know that you're never, ever going to play professionally uh, in any reasonably competitive league Um, because you're just not dedicated enough. It's that simple. 
whoever win whoever wins this year's Mike Richter Award, it, it's not for lack of competition. I mean, this is this is one of the better groups of five that I've seen for this award. I mean, they're all honestly, honestly, looking around hockey awards for the last two or three years, this may be the tightest competition for any of the awards, uh, college hockey or NHL that I've seen in a few years. Yeah. And, and I love looking at some of the past winners. Okay. Last year, uh, Caden Primo, who I'm still literally the only, there's only (laughs) one name on this list. I don't know. Uh, well, you figure, you know, Caden Primo, and yeah. I love Caden Primo. I, I just, ah, uh, his fundamentals were fabulous. The kid was ridiculous at, at Northeastern. Yep. Uh, Kel Morris, seen a little bit of him. Uh, I think he saved Northeastern. I think he saved Notre Dame's bacon a few times. I think they relied on him fairly heavily up there. I don't know much about Tanner Jalet from Denver. That's the, that's the only one I don't know. And he is now playing over in Europe. Uh, looks like a uh, Swedish league. Um, and he's putting up reasonable numbers in his first year over there. Uh, what was that? Um, 29 games played nine fourteen save percentage. Um, it's not as good as his college hockey save percentage, but you know what? Big deal. First year professional. Yeah. Um, Got to be able to deal with that. 26 years old out of Parksville, uh, British Columbia. He could well get a sniff at the NHL uh, whenever it resumes. And then we get to some some names that you might recognize. I I might recognize Thatcher Demko, Boston College, yep. currently in, in Vancouver. Zane McIntyre, uh, formerly known as Zane Gothberg, he decided to go back to. Was it his grandmother's name? He, grandmother's he took name. Uh, North Dakota, 2015. Spent a lot of time in the minors here in Boston. Uh, I believe he's currently in the Vancouver organization as well. Um, and then nope, played last. Uh, you're right. Uh, he uh, he played or he was in Vancouver for a bit. Uh, he played uh, four games for the Binghamton Devils. And 24 games for the Utica Comets uh, in the 1920 season. Um, no NHL games. Was he, was he moved from Vancouver to, to the Devils? Yes, he was moved okay. on February 24th. Uh, he was a de- he was a deadline. Okay. And then, of course, the year before that was a uh, little guy that might recognize a uh, little little known guy that might recognize in in Winnipeg, some guy named um, Hellebusic, uh Connor. Oh, Hellebuck, yeah, Connor Hellebuck, um, the former River Hawk. Yep. And why is it that every other year it's somebody from Hockey East that's winning this award? <laughs> I hey I I I half jokingly refer to uh, Hockey East as the pre NHL. Um, it's, it's absurd, the level of talent and competition. I know that there are other really good teams, North Dakota, Michigan. No, um, I'm, I'm not saying there aren't, but it's just, yeah. Hockey East is the real deal. Yeah. If you're coming here to play, if you're coming here to play, you're going to get noticed. You know, there are, like, like I've, as, as we've said many times, there are certain areas you go you're going to get noticed here. 
the Minnesota, Michigan, North Dakota area. Um, it was another one, yeah. So, so Big Ten, I guess. So you got yeah. the Big, you got Big Ten, you got Hockey East. Uh, I ECAC. really can't. I think I those just, are the three. I really can't think of yeah any other locales where you're really going to get the attention, the focus, the spotlight that you will in those three. And the air, level of competition. And the level of competition, correct? Uh, yeah, this is this is a tight group. Whoever wins this award this year, they should hold their head high because this is a tight group of kids. I, I hate the whole it's an honor to be nominated thing, but in this case, if you're a finalist, <laughs> it, it, yeah, it might. I, it, it actually is an honor to be nominated this year. <laughs> uh, but it, it it'll be enjoyable to see them. I I mean Swayman. Swayman's going to be in Providence. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens and whether, as we talked about last week, is there anything happening with with the whole Tuka thing, or is that just a story because there's nothing to talk about? Uh, my my thing, and I said it last week, is that if you start thinking about retirement, you've already got one put out the door. Oh yeah. So. Is there opportunities for Vladar, for for a Swayman? I I don't think they're going to put Jeremy in as a rookie and, and throw him to the Wolves. But what do you do if that situation happens? So I think there's there, there there's potential there for getting to the NHL sooner rather than later. But I'd rather see Swayman take his time and, and uh, get to the NHL on his schedule instead of being rushed up there too soon. I think we've covered uh, college hockey pretty well. Let's uh, bump it up at least oh, half a level. Um, okay. And we'll go to the home of a couple of former really, really good uh, college players. Um, naming, <laughs> uh, namely uh, ja- uh, Jake McCabe and uh, Jack Eichel. Ah, the Buffalo Sabres. Who had a pretty interesting and pretty aggressive uh, run at the early part of the season. And, and this, but this happened last year too. I don't, I'm, I'm, I'm racking my brain trying to figure out what it is that you can, you can come out of the box and, and, and they come out a little slow the first couple, three weeks, but then as they get toward Halloween and into the second, third week in November, suddenly they're at the top of the they're at the top of the Atlantic, and then by by Christmas or or New Year's, they're back down in fifth or sixth. It's like it, so it's got it, if it's frustrating for me and I'm not attached to the organization, it's got to be hugely frustrating for Sabres fans in the Buffalo area for ownership uh staff yeah everybody because how do you explain that you have the capability to get yourself to the top of the the top of the division the the top of the conference and not part of it is they're not i think they're one of those teams I, i firmly believe they're one of those teams that does not pay enough attention to health specifically things like routine 
or injuries off of routine hockey plays um, and or non-contact injuries uh, because they're lo- they lose guys early ish um, like around that Halloween period every year to pretty pretty routine hockey plays. Um, and I think that that's one of those issues, uh, that also plagues, say the Florida Panthers, um, because they otherwise on paper, those two teams should have been in the playoffs the last two or three years. I, they were clearly, I would put either one of them equal with, uh, Carolina, Carolina made the playoffs last year. They had a good playoff. In fairness, last year, Florida missed out on on the playoffs on like what the last like day or two or three last, points. Yes. Yeah. Uh, now some would say that means they didn't play hard enough earlier in the season and they waited until it was too late to, to make that run. But, uh, and there's, there's certainly an argument to be made there, but I think, uh, part of the issue is these guys get hurt. They don't, whether you're talking about rushing people back or waiting until they're uh, full up, but they also Buffalo just doesn't have the organizational depth, particularly in offense. Um, there's a, a, a relatively new um, website uh, and team over at uh, expectedbuffalo.com. Uh, the writer is Anthony Siandra. Um, he's analyzing it. He's got, uh, pretty interesting breakdowns in the team PDO, um, uh, via, uh, charting hockey. Um, he breaks it down in chunks of the season. Um, and you know what, in the early part of the year, they're right in the sweet spot. They're right above, uh, they're on the uh, good side of the divide. They're right in the same space as, you know, the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins. Um, and they're looking better than, you know, a couple of teams who will make the playoffs or have made uh, the playoffs recently. You get to uh, after the 25 game mark and they're moving, they're moving away from the right, the sweet spot where, uh, and part of it is if you read the text of the article, they're playing a very, very defensive, heavy hockey. Uh, I won't call it the trap because no one actually plays the one, three, one anymore. And anytime <laughs> someone says, Oh, they're trapping it up. I really just want to gag. Um, I think that, I think that the NHL is doing everything they can to, Prevent. Keep the prevent the trap from creeping back into the game. They want more scoring. They want they want uh, more fluidity, more puck movement, and whatnot. So I think they're doing everything they can to somehow uh, eliminate the trap and which, take which out I'm the okay red line because the trap is. Uh, hey, it's how the New Jersey fun. it's how the New Jersey Devils won their last Stanley Cup. So. But when you look at this, uh, he uh, the writer specifically points out that they're looking for to not allow any real opportunities and to um, but they're not getting very many as well. 
you and I both watched a lot of Buffalo or a lot of hockey going up through the late 90s. Why not just the Buffalo Sabres, but why are so many teams attempting to play 80s and 90s hockey now? When the slowest player in the NHL now would be in the top 20% of the league in 1988. It's not a a heavy checking. uh... It's not a heavy checking clutch and grab error. I mean, pick anybody. Adam Oates was one of the best skaters uh, of his time. Mm -hmm. Is he average speed in today's NHL? He's probably average speed, but I think that. I think that with his players, passing is still awesome. I mean, his I, passing would still be, and that's what I was gonna say. I think with, great. I think with players of Adam Oates' skills and ability, even if he's even if he's average speed in today's NHL, he's he's still going to excel because uh, Bobby Hull or Brett, either Bobby or Brett Hull, they were again top twenty percent in speed. Mm-hmm. They're. With the exception of their incredible shots, they're they're third liners. They're third liners today. They would they would legitimately be Michael Riders, <laughs> offensive specialists Ouch. who do nothing else. Hey, Michael Michael Ryder had two or three thirty goal seasons in the NHL with <clears throat> a variable work ethic and an incredible shot. So you're saying that they're not they're not of the uh, Patrice Bergeron mold. They're not 200 foot players, defensive forwards, Selkie Award winners. I mean, I can no more imagine uh, Bobby Hull winning a Selkie than I can PJ Stock winning the Lady Bing. <laughs> PJ Stock did win a Lady Bing, didn't he? For most gentlemanly player, I I'm I mean, to have oh, to guess. I'm, oh, I'm thinking of PJ Axelson. Wrong PJ. Sorry. <laughs> and and how you can get those two confused is beyond me. So clearly, I need another cup of coffee. Yes. <laughs> another vat of when, coffee. When PJ Stock is only way to score a goal is for for uh, Joe Thornton to tell him stand here. <laughs> Put your stick here, and then. Bang. That was literally one of the most beautiful plays I've ever seen in hockey because it legitimately showed off how well Joe Thornton understood the game, his opponents and his teammates in four seconds. Like four. I'm legitimate. I I literally genuinely mean this one hundred and twenty percent when they put together Joe's Hall of Fame video that and he is going video to the Hall of Fame needs to be on there because I, there is no better way to demonstrate how to best use the abilities of your teammates to ensure team success. He, he literally comes out of the face off dot skates over to PJ says, stay here. And <laughs> it's, borderline cocky why because he's telling everybody on the ice and who has any idea what's being said at all which basically means everyone in both benches 
and everyone up in the press box. What's going on? This is where I'm going to draw the puck to. When I win it. I'm, going <laughs> I'm going to draw to the, the puck off. right to PJ. And I'm telling him to stand here. And all he has to do is shoot it when the puck comes to him. <laughs> I'm going to go into the face-off circle and beat this guy. Not if I win this puck. I'm going into the face-off circle and beat this guy. I'm shooting the puck flat and straight to you. Put it in the net. I mean, it was it, 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 it is I, literally textbook hockey of understand your players, understand the game, understand your abilities and succeed by doing so. It's not just that. It's understanding the situation. OK, this is a face off, right? You know, face off, face off on the right circle. I do it this way. Hit, you know, the hockey IQ. OK, if I draw the puck back right here, there's going to be a crease quick shot over the show, you know, all the things that play into that one, four or five second micro is is a microcosm of just how good Joe Thornton is. And yes, if whether he's won a Stanley cup or not, the man's going into the hall of fame. And he deserves to like, I'm not, I'm not interested in having the argument or having the discussion. Does he really deserve to go in there? The answer is yes. Yeah. Not the every answer is definitely would yes. it be would it be great if we could say uh, that you know the the mark for getting into the Hall of Fame uh, is that you need to have a cup and if you don't you're not that great a player. Well, you know what? Uh, Sean Thornton has more uh, Stanley Cups than Joe Thornton. Should we put Sean Thornton in the in the Hockey Hall of Fame? I mean, I think he's possibly one of the five or ten best chirpers uh, in in league history, certainly in the last two decades. So, you know, if there's a category for that, we can put him in. But, you know, a cup isn't everything. No. Ray Bork would have certainly gone into the cup, into the Hall of Fame without uh, winning the cup. Agreed. He was going into the Hall of Fame. Joe Thornton is going in, even if he doesn't. And the odds don't look good for him. Um, unlike the gold, unlike the Buffalo goaltenders who aren't going to be anywhere near the Hall of Fame unless they buy a ticket, unless they buy a ticket um, or, you know, are part of the ceremony inducting someone. Is that um, part of is that part of the collapse, though? I mean, well, they're goaltending is just to try average. and put a bow on this. I mean, there's all these stats in this article. Uh, Anthony Skiandra wrote it for X Buffalo. Uh, yeah. Uh, expected Buffalo. Ah. And there's a lot of stats in here, and he gets them from charting hockey. And and there's a lot of good information in here. I mean, I just – can you simplify it down to you well, need, need goaltending because your goaltenders aren't trying, keeping the puck out of the net? Well, actually, he, he points out that they're giving up – they're not – that they're giving up very few chances – but they're also getting even fewer. So essentially they're trying to win zero to negative one. And I've never quite seen a hockey game uh, with that as a final I, I, score. Have I you? don't know how you can win negative one. I don't know how you can score negative one. Uh, uh, but I mean, that's, that seems to be a throwback to uh, at least in terms of results to part of the Hashik uh, error. They would, I mean, Hashik could stop pretty much anything. But 
they didn't ever score or get that many scoring chances. They weren't generating enough scoring. And that's that's my question. You have these teams. You have the Buffalo Sabres for one. You have the Pittsburgh Penguins as another. You have the Edmonton Oilers as a third. Teams who are trying to play 80s and 90s hockey. And uh, I'm pretty certain that, you know, we've been in lockdown long enough that even if it had still been the 90s when it started, it's been over by a little while since then. Yeah. Um, I, okay. uh, I just, is there a way to, is there a way to fix this? I mean, I clearly they need depth scoring. You can't rely on, they need Eichel. depth and they need to find healthy players. I mean, you can't guarantee it, but a guy who's been injured three years in a row, I love Steven Stamkos. I really think he's as far as pure offensive genius, one of the two or three best players of, uh, the last 20 years, um, I, I would legitimately as pure goal scorers, snipers, um, you have to, it's, it's him and Ovechkin. Uh, there's no one else really that close. Um, you add in the other factors that he's built into his game mm-hmm. and is he, how far into his career is he? Has he hit the 10 year mark? I don't believe no. he has. Uh, no, wait a minute. He was drafted in 08. So, yeah, he's 12 years into his career, 803 games, 830 points. Um, he had a 60-goal season, a, a couple of 40-plus goal seasons, a 50-goal season. Dude has a Hall of Fame career now. I mean, he's 78 goals uh, away from uh, away from 500. Um, pretty certain that's two seasons. <laughs> Okay. Like two reasonable seasons. He he's he's got a Hall of Fame career. But if you're asking me if you're asking me today, yeah. Would you take him on your team at his current salary for the next 3 years? My answer is probably not. And I'd be inclined to agree. I, I, I love Steven Stamkos. He is amazing to watch. He's got that emotional engagement we talked about. I remember when he we when he broke his leg here in Boston. Oh, that was ugly. It was ugly, but he was <clears throat> ripped about the lost hockey. He didn't give uh, anything. He didn't care about the pain. It's like the uh, going back to the Boston, uh, what was it, the Boston versus Tampa Eastern Conference final game. Puck rips up, rip, rips up his face and takes two thirds of his nose off. Goes in the locker room, gets it sewed up, gets back on the ice. Uh, everyone finds the Twitter picture later that looks like something out of Saw, and um, dude is back on the ice. Absolutely love him. Hockey, if you're players are the me, top, hockey players are the toughest players in sport. Sorry. If you're asking me if I want – if would I take Stephen Stamkos to play one series, one month uh, on my team? Absolutely. But for and three poten- years, no. And potentially the craziest. <laughs> because um, they do – Rugby. No, uh, okay, yeah, rugby. Would, <laughs> I mean, but the, the, the coming back – yeah, the – 
oh my god, he, he, he's 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 got a cut on his face. The puck hit, it goes off and comes back in the middle of the next period, you know, and he's all stitched up and the eyes kind of swollen and they threw a, they threw a full face shield on his helmet. Uh, but he's back out there playing hockey. <laughs> um, also back out there playing hockey is, at least according to semi-reliable sources like Amy Jones, uh, Columbus Blue Jackets' own uh, potential future Hall of Famer, Seth Jones, uh, reportedly resuming skating at some point today. Uh, that is uh, April 5th. Um, and... If the season resumes, when the season resumes, or, you know, if we just jump straight to next season, the fact that he's skating now is a very good thing for Columbus. Yes. Uh, It's a very good thing for Seth Jones, too. Um, Don't get me wrong uh, there. I've been on the Seth Jones bandwagon before, well, anyone not related to him or his agent. And uh, so, just out of curiosity, Amy, A- Amy Jones posted this. Yep. And somebody in the comments wrote, um, seriously needed some good news today. How credible are your sources? <laughs> Um, uh, let's see. Um, I don't know. Jones, Jones. Um, maybe I'm related to him. Um, click on her name and maybe (laughs) your profile. How credible are your sources? I mean, admittedly, my response is at least my response is, well, very me, but, um, Columbus, if the season resumes and they either play it out or just jump from here to the playoffs, uh, if they jump from here to the playoffs, it's Columbus and Boston round one. Uh, and Columbus's chances, even with a healthy Seth Jones, are not particularly good without a healthy Seth Jones or um, yeah, cover your eyes. <laughs> He comes back to a healthy A. And I've always been a huge fan of, of Zach, his 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 line mate, and yep. sometimes defense partner. And sometimes sometimes Twitch splits him up. But uh, and he came from Michigan. That's part of the reason why I got to watch him in college too. You Sorry. get those guys. You get those guys both on the ice. Uh, Zach with his ability to put the puck in the net, and clearly he struggled earlier in the season, but. He was lighting it up uh, as the season progressed on and and into January and February. You bring Seth Jones back into the mix and his leadership, his physicality, his ability to put the puck in the net, his his staunch defense. Yeah, it it clearly gives John another just another weapon to make the playoffs and, and. and he's enjoyable to watch. He has been since uh, before he was actually drafted by Nashville. Yep. So it's good news to hear him getting back on the ice. I don't want him rushing it. I want him to be fully healed so that there's only little to no chance of him re-injuring it. But, yeah, it's it's certainly good news. And I really do want to know how reliable the sources are. 
Mm, tough to say. Uh, <laughs> um, hate to take it to hate to take the show to someplace unpleasant. Uh, but I I find the circumstances somewhat amusing, uh, even if the actions of one um, get uh, are not. Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, we were going to bring this up, but we kind of uh, have. I to. think we should. Um, New York Rangers uh, youngster K. Andre Miller. Isn't that somebody um, we wanted to bring here to Boston? By the way. Just uh, throwing that out there. Realistically, possibly, maybe we might have mentioned it uh, a time or three in his draft year. Uh, yeah. People will have to go back and look. I do believe we we did. Yeah. So anyone who uh, is alive on the planet and has any form of multimedia access um, has heard of the uh, video conferencing platform Zoom sometime in the last, oh, I don't know, three and a half weeks. Yeah, really. um, and it is taken off with the homeschooling crowd. Oh, yes. Uh, and it's also part of the web of marvelous conspiracy theories um, <laughs> surrounding the current world situation. Um, but uh, because almost no one had heard of them six months ago. Um, but K. Andre Miller on Friday um, did a Zoom session with that was limited to 500 participants. The link was uh, pushed out through the Rangers Twitter account. Um, and for those of you who are living under a rock, uh, Miller is uh, Miller's black, uh, and a someone came into the chat on it and started posting the n-word over and over and over and over and over and over and over uh, i believe it says hundreds of times here in the article uh hundreds of times um miller never actually acknowledged the this during the chat so it's they couldn't say whether, he, whether he he did see it and just chose to take the high road or didn't see it and um, and was just being uh, engaging and enjoying the time uh, talking to Rangers fans. My suspicion, without having seen a recap of the video, uh, he probably did see it. He's 23, 24 years old at this point. Um, he grew up in an area where there's not very many people who look like him. Um, he's 20 years old. Um, he, uh, as part of the, uh, under 18, the U S uh, United States under 18 team and under 17 team, he's done bit of traveling. Not the first time he's encountered this nonsense. Just a hunch. Unfortunately, um, go ahead. I, I, I'm just I'm I mean, yes, there are ugly people out there. And, and if, if, if you're going to do stuff like this, condemning them, unfortunately, is there a way to catch whoever the offender is? I mean, 
unfortunately um, hiding uh, yes. hiding on the internet. Yeah, he's got a username or whatever. But the minute he signs off, uh, can they figure out who he is? Is there anything that can be done about it? I mean, this, uh, clearly this is a guy who needs to be, you know, or a girl. Uh, it could potentially be, you know, anyone. This person clearly needs to be drawn, quartered, have their thumbnails ripped out with a pair of pliers. Uh, and I'm sure there are a multitude of other torturous uh, acts that could be construed as, as as certainly viable in this situation. Because there's no need for this. This is ridiculous. I, I, I'm glad that he was able – if he did see the comments, I'm glad he was able to – push past it and just not give it any credence while doing the video chat. Um, yeah, this is just, this is, I don't understand what's wrong with society today as a whole. And this, this is one of the, this, this is one of those times where I just don't understand people in general. <laughs> uh, you're lucky. I understand people and I've seen nonsense like this. And I just There's no need for this. It, it says no here that for it. Go ahead. I was gonna say no, I was just gonna say it says here that they did forward the incident uh, to the FBI. Um the FBI has recently warned about reports of people intruding on Zoom calls. Uh there was a story middle of the week or so where Somebody had intruded on, uh, or or hacked into a, an online classroom and started posting inappropriate pictures and whatnot to the students in the room. So it's um, the other other thing that bored you, or people are okay. Not everyone on the planet is someone you should be inviting into your living room. I guess that's the clearly most polite way I can put it. And not everyone in the world is someone you'd want babysitting uh, a kid in your life. Um, I'm a little bit older than Kay Andre, and I've not had to deal with it as much recently. Uh, on the other hand, even though he's a tiny bit taller than I am, and certainly a fit uh, young man, he's also... Um, Somewhat less surly. <laughs> <laughs> There's just no need for this. I'm sorry. Um, I, I, I have the sneaking suspicion he did actually. Um, he did actually see it, or someone told him about it during the course of the chat. And, uh, but I could be wrong. He might just have been enjoying the time and assuming that. Uh, whoever was moderating the chat was going to uh, was going to pass any useful questions or interaction from the fans on to him. Mm-hmm. Um, we are let's see, we are already over the hour mark. Um, probably have time for one more thing. Uh, what do you want to talk about? Uh, I'm. Do we have – no, we don't have time for that. We're going to have to put off our little hockey tournament for another week? We're going to have to put it off for another week, yeah. 
Maybe we should open with it next week, just to make sure we get it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we're now three weeks into doing it next week. Uh, what is this 31-team playoff thing? Um, Good question. Uh, yeah, that, PK exactly. Subban, <laughs> P.K. Subban, who one or two of you have probably uh, heard of, P.K. Subban, um, yeah. was asked about uh, different options for when, uh, when and if the NHL season resumes. Um, and one of the options brought up was a 31 team play in, uh, to the playoffs, uh, which is this just because PK wants to be in the playoffs. <laughs> I don't want any player on my team who doesn't want to be in the playoffs. Exactly. But, I just, um, but I mean, theoretically the I'm New Jersey sure Devils you- with 13 games left, they're only 13 points out They're they have a chance because Buffalo, as we've noticed, has uh, not done great things this season. Montreal is, uh, well, they were four or five and one in their last 10 uh, with a losing record at home. Um, theoretically, with a healthy squad that's had, you know, a full month or so off, the Devils could make a run if they played all of the remaining, if everyone played all the remaining games or, you know, everyone played three to five games to determine who was going to make it in. Um, what happens, what, what happens if, if, and, and I don't anticipate this happening, but if you're going to have a 31 team format, what happens if by some, I don't know, lining up of the stars or whatever you believe in for good luck, happens and Detroit somehow gets hot and they end up making it into the playoffs and get to how they're certainly not drafting how, first. how many other teams, but how many other teams are going to be annoyed at the 31 team playoff when clearly Detroit had no business dreaming about playoffs this season. Yeah. <laughs> For that matter, you could make the same argument for the San Jose Sharks or the Chicago Blackhawks. Okay, I, I use Detroit but because they're clearly they're, the bo- they're clearly at the bottom and they're going to be drafting number one. But just on the off chance, I mean, you get a hot. I mean, it's the one thing they talk games, about. Five in game hot, yeah, uh, yeah, a dozen, thirteen games, however many they have left, is probably a stretch. And I'm not by any, I'm not saying that they're certainly going to make it in this, but. Any, I mean, you got teams that go on nine, ten game win streaks, uh, win streaks, or and if they're going to have some kind of play-in tournament, it's only going to be what two, four games, five games, maybe, and, yeah. and suddenly anything becomes possible. Yeah, and how upset? Maybe you would, take the top three in each division; they're automatically in, and then the other, uh, the rest of the league, uh, plays in. Uh, the top three keep their position because they spent a great deal of time earning it, uh, in theory. And everyone that else. Seems, that seems a little more logical to me than just a 31 team playoff and everybody's on equal footing. Either and now way, you're completely discounting the regular season entirely. And even though. But I can see the point of this. And okay. the point is not something you can ignore regardless of how much you want to or don't want to, it's financial. If you announce tomorrow, the league is resuming on May 5th, 
all 31 teams are competing in an eight game or nine game sprint. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're going to play uh, five. Or you're going to play everyone in your division and then two random teams um, or three random teams. If you're in, in or balance it out that way, you're going to play everyone in your division and the additional game is to hit nine. Best record, best goal differential are the two are the two uh, tiebreakers. Um, you know, regulation wins and best uh, goal differential are the tiebreakers. Top sixteen teams. Do you know what you have? Playoffs. You have thirty one engaged hockey markets. Ah, in yes. You're gonna put butts in seats because Buffalo is gonna be healthy. Columbus <laughs> is gonna be healthy. If you look at it from um, a business standpoint, I can see 31 teams in a in a in a. Arizona's going to be healthy. Florida playoff. Panthers are going to be reinvigorated. St- uh, Stephen Stamkos, who we haven't talked about, well, uh, as far as his health, uh, the the uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be healthier again. Who knows? Uh, we saw that Dustin Bufflin was working out heavily. He might make it back. It, 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 you know, we're so starting. He's not, make, so he's not retired. Uh, I've heard conflicting <laughs> things on that, and I don't know what to believe anymore. That might take a little bit of yeah. It, it might that might take a little bit more digging and then sifting through and and trying to pull the truth out of the negative. Um, so I guess there's only one more question to ask, real quick, and that's why was PK Subban talking about football? <laughs> no hockey to play. And on that note, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening. Um, share the show with your friends, um, but please uh, do yourself, your heart, uh, and your friends and family a little bit of a favor, even if it's a little outside your comfort zone. Reach out to someone you haven't heard from uh, recently. Um, if they're on lockdown too, regardless of whether they have caught uh, the reason for the lockdown or not. Um, it's upset their life too. Uh, they may just need a friend to talk to uh, and you could be that person. Um, this is going to have an impact on all of our lives. Uh, we know that isolation isn't great for everyone. So whether you use uh, whatever platform you use to reach out to people, whether it's text, phone calls, video conferences, with any of the bajillion platforms possible, sometime between now and the next time you listen to our show, take 10 minutes, talk to one or two of your friends. That's it. Uh, I couldn't say it any better myself. Stay healthy, stay safe, wash your hands.